through no fault of my own, I ended up reporting to the CTO. And one of the things I realized by working with the CTO directly is uh, they had what I call the executive laser beam, where they would point it somewhere and people would move, right? <laughs> so where, where do you want to point your, your executive laser beam at Stack? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I used to refer to it as like the CEO of Lighthouse, where it's like mm-hmm. it, it would kind of circle around and every once in a while it'd focus on somebody. So yeah, I think, I think we're on the same page there. Gatsby is the fastest front end for the headless web. If your goal is building highly performant, content-rich websites, you need to build with Gatsby. Go to gatsby.dev slash stackoverflow to launch your first Gatsby site in minutes and experience the speed. That's gatsby.dev slash stackoverflow. Head on over, use that link, you'll let them know we sent you and help out the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here, joined as I often am by my colleague and collaborator, Ryan Donovan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ben. We have an exciting episode today. We're going to meet Stack Overflow's new Chief Technology Officer. Got to meet him at uh, our company meetup, the first one we'd had in two years since the pandemic started. It hadn't been officially announced yet, but we're using this podcast and the announcement this week to kick things off. So excited for that. So without further ado, Jody Bailey to the podcast. Hey, Jody. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Good to be here. Ryan, nice to see you. We're doing well, thanks. Yeah. I think um, people from the outside uh, who just visit Stack Overflow casually have a bit of interest in knowing about you know, how our technical staff works and our approach to engineering and everything like that. I guess you know we could start sort, sort of at the beginning a little bit. T- take us back in time. Like, What was it that got you interested in software development and programming in the first place? Great question. And I had a a very circuitous route to uh, software development. I suspect a lot of the folks you talk to have, uh, especially Mm -hmm. if they've been at it a while, right? Because I think early on, a lot of us took different routes to get here. You know, when I started out, well, before I started, uh, you know, I went to school, I studied physics was, was what my degree was in. And I had an interest in electronics and did some assembly type stuff. Mm. Um, but coming out, you know, and, and this will make perfect sense, coming out of, of college with a physics degree, I wanted to go into sales. So how <laughs> <laughs> about momentum and velocity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought, you know, I could go sell MRI or, you know, something about nuclear magnetic resonance, that kind of thing. Gotcha. But it's funny because I didn't have the advanced degree and I didn't have sales experience. So, you know, I ended up selling restaurant equipment for a while. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, during college, I had, I had worked for Fidelity Investments on what was referred to or called the master console. It was essentially a, an automated call distributive distribution system to route calls between all the different sites. I eventually went back to work at Fidelity Investments and worked both as a customer support rep and then back at the console where I had the opportunity to do some information system type work. So mm-hmm. kind of the, the first real programming I did from a work perspective was back then the, the call switches didn't really tie into scheduling systems and didn't have a lot of reporting. 
So I took data feeds from our scheduling system and from the call system and then matched people up so that I could say, okay, well, they're supposed to be on the phones from this time to that time. How long were they actually on? You know, what's their average talk time, wait time, et cetera. Are people doing what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do them, where they're supposed to do it, which was very popular with management and a little less popular with the, the <laughs> phone reps, as you can imagine. Sure. But it was, it was a fast growing privately held company. Uh, Salt Lake City was a relatively new site. It was kind of fun. I worked, I actually worked graveyards there during college. Uh, while I was finishing my degree, you know, left to sell restaurant equipment and then came back to uh, to Fidelity and did the role in Dallas and eventually transferred back up to Salt Lake City. And, you know, when I started doing that work, I realized that I really enjoyed you know, problem solving with technology and, and writing code. And I started working on a master's in computer science uh, at the University of Utah. So uh, I was, yeah. Like a lot of people, I think, trying to get into a new field, especially programming, I was doing my day job and then doing the programming because I enjoyed it and saw the opportunity and then was taking classes. And then because, you know, I didn't have enough to do, I also signed up to be a, an administrator at the Linux lab there and, you know, and try to stay married. So eventually <laughs> something had to give. And uh, I did not finish the master's degree, and I did quit the admin job. Oh, phew! I thought you were going to say you got divorced. Okay, you're you're taking <laughs> an emotional roller coaster there. Yeah, but yeah. So I went into I worked at the Fidelity Systems Company, where I was a software developer, helping write solutions for their the people that were working on the phones. So I had kind of the unique perspective of having worked on the phones, mm -hmm. understanding the systems. And then being able to to write code to replace them. So you, you mentioned um, you like doing the programming. What did you like about programming? You know, I really like problem solving. And mm. the other thing I like about it, especially in retrospect, having at this point in time been you know a leader or manager much longer than a, a developer, what I liked was knowing whether it worked or not. You know, and being mm -hmm. able to to make a change and and see okay. Does it do what it's supposed to do or not do what it's supposed to do? And, and did I impact it? You know, as a leader, oftentimes, you know, you, you try things and you do things, but it's hard to know, you know, whether or not it was the right thing or the best thing. And, you know, that, that kind of black and white binary of, uh, of writing software uh, for me was, was kind of rewarding. And do you think any of that code is uh, still in production, uh, hanging, hanging around that C++? You know, I think that actually there might be, I mean, that as of, let me rephrase that as of, uh, I don't know, know, seven or eight years ago, it still mm -hmm. was, which is a little nice. frightening. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, my career, I've, I've, I've moved around a fair amount, not, not a, mm -hmm. not a crazy amount, you know, but it's like four years here or there. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I remember checking in with some folks that were working on the product that I was at working on one of the kind of the founding team. And there were people that had been working on it for like 20 years, you mm -hmm. know, so yeah. it's, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, working on the same kind of in the same, same company, let alone the same product for 20 plus years. But there were people that, that did it and, you know, 
had yeah. great careers doing it. And I think it's increasingly rare these days, but you see them. Yeah, exactly. So how did you go from being the guy who writes the code to, you know, looking at like top leadership positions? What, what was the path there? Yeah. So the, the first, so first step was I've moved into a software development manager position and looking back, it's, it's almost embarrassing to say how little time I spent as a software developer. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and come clean. I, I really only worked as a software developer for little less than three years. Mm. And then I moved into a, a manager position and I had a team of software developers. I did that for a while. And then I actually moved over to a project management role and tried that for a while, all with Fidelity Investments. So I went from Salt Lake City as a software development manager and moved out to New Hampshire and worked as a project manager. And I did that for a while and realized that I, I really didn't like being that far removed from the technology and the, the dev teams. And you know, frankly, project management's a super hard job. You know, <laughs> you've got all the uh, you know the responsibility and none of the authority. <laughs> um, at least that was my experience. So mm -hmm. I, I left there and I went, I was recruited by somebody I'd worked for before to lead a, a development team and organization in Northern Virginia. And then I moved back into the technical leadership there. And then, you know, just kind of stepped from organization to organization, largely, you know, being recruited by people I'd worked with before and and having the opportunity to take on more responsibility along the way. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was interesting to me then was your, your role at Pluralsight, if we could sort of dig in a little there, that yeah. kind of gets you more into the world of sort of online education, um, you know, tech mm -hmm. education and the things that you focused on there, AWS and now Stack Overflow. So can you tell us a little bit of how you found yourself at that role? Um, and yeah, like what some of the learnings were there? Yeah. So Pluralsight was, was, a really unique and, and terrific opportunity. And you're right, I've been kind of working in the technology education space for about eight years now between mm -hmm. between the two. And Pluralsight, I'd say I was really, it was serendipitous. I was, I was really lucky, I would say. So I had been working at another organization and decided that I wanted to find a different role, like that I wanted to look for a more senior role where I could run the engineering team. And there had been some changes and such where I was. So, you know, I decided to to leave and take some time off and, you know, see what I could find. And just going through all the networking, talking with different people at different VCs, people I'd worked with, etc. I had heard of Pluralsight. In fact, we had used Pluralsight at the, the company I was working with at the time. And so I was a little familiar with what they were doing, but I didn't really have a good grasp of, you know, how much they were doing or how successful they were. It was really interesting to me because at that point, most of my experience with technology training was you have somebody, you know, a trainer that, that maybe does or doesn't, you know, practice, right? But mm -hmm. is teaching you what they've, what they've learned about the product. And, and what was unique about Pluralsight was that they had real practitioners creating the training rather than Pluralsight trying to say, this is what you should learn. You know, they mm -hmm. had people that were actually doing it. And then the way that revenue and everything was managed 
made it very lucrative for people to provide the the training. And it was all online video based training. Eventually, they didn't start that way. They, you know, they originally started doing in person training and realized quickly that they weren't going to to scale and maintain personal lives trying to do that and and kind of made that transition to essentially video based training. Mm-hmm. So and you know, I think that that what really set it apart is kind of the the authors as they refer to them, the people that are doing the training that people could really relate to. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Had you been in a CTO role before? And uh what what made you decide to you know, leave whatever that last role is and, and come here? Yeah, so I was CTO at Pluralsight for a while, and then we kind of changed titles and, and moved things around. And then I moved to uh, AWS, where I was a director. So AWS has, you know, a, a very different kind of leveling system, I'd say, than than a lot of other organizations. And the way that they use titles is pretty different. So the training and certification org was approximately, you know, 1500 people. And I reported to another director who just recently got promoted. In fact, you had Maureen on the show uh, not too long ago. I reported yes. to Maureen Lonergan. That's funny. Yes. We had your, your former colleagues on and yeah. come up on the show a bunch of times. What are the new on-ramps, you know, to being a software developer? Kind of like you mentioned, like what, what was it that got you interested and, you know, AWS training specifically, but then, you know, getting cloud certified, some of the sort of shorter courses you could take for six to eight weeks and then, you know, be certified for a job where there's a ton of demand was emerging. Clearly, there was a strong signal from a number of people um, as a great on-ramp that a lot of folks were finding was their inroad to tech if they were coming from a career in a different sector. So I think there was a lot of overlap there, obviously, with Stack Overflow, once those people started their courses, inevitably they Google something that's not working uh, and usually end up with us. Exactly. And and I think that that's, that's more true more and more. I mean, we're seeing not just the certifications, but opportunities. You know, obviously, you've got boot camps, things like that. But I think there's also kind of the intern programs, if you will, that aren't strictly for, you know, college students, right? So you have somebody that maybe has experience or a degree in another space. They've done some learning, they've done some training, and and there are opportunities within a lot of different organizations where they can come and kind of work for a period of time as an intern with the teams with the opportunity of turning that into to you know full-time career positions. I know it's something we've I've seen, you know, we did a plural site there are you know, official programs that AWS does around cloud practitioners and certifications and things like that. But I, you know, I think, you know, the thing that I think is super cool about being in this space is that if you want to learn it and if you're willing to do the work, there's, there's tons of opportunity, right? I mean, there's such a demand for people that can, that can develop software that if you can demonstrate the ability to do it, I mean, there's people that are willing to take a chance and to give you the opportunity to try it. From my perspective, it just, you know, and I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying it, right? But, you know, if you're if you're willing to put the time in and figure it out, there are so many resources, right? You have Stack Overflow, Udemy, Pluralsight, YouTube, right? I mean, there's just, I mean, you can, you know, if there's a problem that, you want to solve with software 
and you're willing to work at it, you can find the resources to figure it out. And then once you're able to do that, you can use that as kind of a portfolio to, to demonstrate your proficiency and, you know, to work your way into a career. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think largely that's what I did. Only I didn't have YouTube and, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stack overflow and all those things. Right. I mean, right. It was, it was, you know, back, I think before Joel on software even. So <laughs> you were, uh, oh yeah. Experts exchange was your only recourse. No, going to Barnes and Noble and getting the uh, <laughs> most updated paperback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying. I, I kind of, you know, from the perspective of, you know, someone who does mostly writing, not coding, feel like there's both truth and not truth to that. I do think, especially for something like getting cloud certified in a certain platform, the intimidating idea of, oh, I'm going to have to be writing novel code and solving complex math problems. You know, that's not actually the case. You can come in and learn some things through repetition and through road and through logic and be, you know, very useful and well compensated as an administrator. And if you did that for a few years and somebody else came in who was new and and had a a technical question, you would seem, you know, it would seem like magic, you know, what you knew then about that system and how to, you know, sort out errors and things like that. On the other hand, <laughs> I do think, you know, getting back to your earlier, you know, your earlier sort of thing about what drew you to programming, I'm not the kind of person who enjoys the frustration of debugging something. <laughs> I really just would rather go write something yeah. and get some edits on it or be on a podcast and have a conversation. You know, I think there's a certain engineering mind or a problem solving mind that is comfortable with a level of frustration um, and, and sort of complexity, um, which, you know, I think can be rewarding long term if you find yourself in this career. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I used to always say it, it, it feels so good, you know, after beating your head against the wall when you finally stop. Right. <laughs> and, and that, that was kind of how you know, programming was to me a lot, you know? Yeah. I was, I was one of those people that just would write stuff and then figure out why it didn't work yeah. as opposed to really thinking it through ahead of time. Totally. Enjoyed the sudden absence of pain. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think one of the most clarifying things that I ever sort of learned during the three years here was this uh, word it's called use stress. It's the opposite of distress. And it's the feeling mm-hmm. of sort of, uh, it's the energizing feeling that you think you're going to be able to solve this problem in the, you know, eventually people who enjoy that, who like, you know, cranking on something, banging their head against the wall, knowing they're going to get there. And then two or three days later they get there and, oh, what, what a great payoff. I'm the total opposite. It's yeah. like, um, you ever play that video game mist? I hated mist. Mist was like, <laughs> I was just like, what is the appeal here? Like there's a puzzle. There's no answer here. You wander around for days. And then it comes to you. I'm like, this is, I would never do this, but obviously lots of people um, <laughs> thought Mist was a, you know, it's an all-time classic. So there's a, a, you know, a sort of personality that fits the Mist and doesn't. And that that's programming to you, huh? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. That's awesome. Great. So yeah, um, I, I wanted to sort of, yeah, get a little bit closer now to uh, your sort of new role. Um, as you looked at the position here and your decision to join Stack Overflow, what were you weighing? What attracted you to this? Um, and, you know, maybe from there, uh, we can talk a little about some of the ambitions you have for this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, candidly, you know, I was I was thinking I was going to take some time off and just you know, <laughs> ride my bike and you know, spend some time in the Pacific Northwest out on the water, just kind of to have some some fun for a while and just kind of decompress and you know when i had the opportunity to talk to stack overflow i was really intrigued you know i mentioned i mentioned joel on software and you know i that was kind of my you know first intro to to joel and and 
you know, precursor to Stack Overflow. And I've been working in the the tech education space for a while. And so, you know, I, I have kind of this, you know, sweet spot, I guess, you know, or soft spot for, for Stack Overflow in general. And so, you know, when I was approached about the opportunity, it's like, no, no, not really. And it's like, well, you know, how about how about if you you know just talk to the CEO, talk to Prashant, and uh, so I talked to him, and I was really intrigued. You know, so so the the things that were important to me when I thought about whether you know what my next role would be hmm. was you know one, I wanted it to be something you know fulfilling and rewarding, right? Like a lot of us. I also wanted it to be a place that I really enjoyed, you know, where mm. I could work with, you know, smart people that were challenging, you know, willing to challenge, but also, you know, friendly. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I mean, that sounds a little trite, I suppose, but, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be a part of a team that, that really, you know, wanted to do the right things for the right reasons, wanted to work hard together, wanted to lift each other up. And, and I kind of got that, that feeling from the leadership team. The other thing is I, I really like working in an engineering centric type of organization. And obviously AWS is Pluralsight was, you know, it was founded by developers and the, I mean, there's different types of technology companies and, and AWS is, a, is an amazing place. And I learned a lot of things and it's, it's very different than working at a, at a smaller company like Stack or Pluralsight, where there's a lot more fluidity and a lot more things that haven't already been figured out, if that makes sense. A lot more opportunity to really influence or participate in you know, the evolution of the engineering culture. And those were things that I saw opportunity for here at Stack Overflow, you know, to be part mm -hmm. of what I think is a, a terrific leadership team to be part of an engineering culture that is, you know, really focused on how do we develop great software? How do we solve for our communities? You know, how do we really embrace all things engineering and do it a, in a way that's super inclusive, which was also, you know, a big part of the appeal to Stack Overflow is just how important inclusivity is mm -hmm. across the entire organization and particularly engineering. So, those things and that it felt similar to experiences that I've had, like at Pluralsight, that, that were really rewarding and, and a ton of fun and the opportunity to, to be on a winning team, right? You know, I, I see the, I mean, I, I, I can't lie, right? I mean, you know, the being on, being with an organization that's doing really well is fun. You know, when mm -hmm. you're meeting your goals, when you're achieving, it's a lot more fun than when things are really hard and and sometimes things are hard for sure but you know it seems to me that stacks on the right path there are certainly some challenges things to overcome and have had to be overcome in the past but i see stack overflow just continuing to get better and providing more value and return on investment for the people that participate the people that buy it and that's super exciting to me you know the whole the whole you know kind of vision of empowering the world to develop to develop through a collective technology knowledge is is super interesting right yeah mm. so at, at my uh last position um through no fault of my own i ended up reporting to the cto 
And one of the things I realized by working with the CTO directly is uh, they had what I call the executive laser beam, where they would point it somewhere and people would move, right? <laughs> so where, where do you want to point your, your executive laser beam at Stack? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I used to refer to it as like the CEO of Lighthouse. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. it, it would kind of circle around, and every once in a while, it would focus on somebody. So, yeah, I think I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. You know, so I've been here, you know, two weeks. I've worked, you know, nine days officially, I guess. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm still learning, and you know, sure. trying to figure out exactly what what the the most important things are. A couple of things, you know, jump out at me. One is hiring. Fortunately for us, and you know, compared to a lot of companies right now, we've got a lot of positions that we need to fill. And you know, I think we're hiring. We've got like fifty different development and IT type positions that are open. And hiring is always challenging. And I think Stack Overflow has you know really been on this trajectory in recent years of, of growing more quickly than it ever has in the past. And so. I think it's it's really important for us to to work with our talent acquisitions team and, and figure out how do we continue to hire the best and brightest and how do we do it more effectively and efficiently. So I think that's one area, right? And then, you know, I think the other is the, you know, as as Stack Overflow has transitioned from just a community product to also offering enterprise and you know business related solutions the teams products for example i think that you know that technology evolution is super important you know how you think about and design a system like stack overflow where the most important thing is let's get a response you know, technically the most important thing is let's make sure we get responses back really quickly let's make sure that it shows up at the at the top of the search list for people is is kind of a different paradigm than you know how do we develop a feature rich enterprise solution that you know still performs still provides all the great things that people have um, become accustomed to but provides kind of the the ease of use the ease of onboarding the security reliability you know all those things that go into a, a, a SaaS product for businesses and enterprises and so i mean that's a pretty broad and general space to say but in terms of laser beam those are kind of the the two areas that have jumped out at me in the first nine days nice. and i reserve the right to change that in the week excellent all right everybody it's that time of the show we are going to shout out uh someone from the community who came on and helped share a little knowledge. We're going to give a shout out to Anton VBR, uh, who won a lifeboat badge. What's the function of a dedent in Python? All right. Thanks, Anton, for coming on. If you ever had this question, we've got an answer for you. It's been around for about four years and helped almost 20,000 people. So we appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us with questions and suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. Um, I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Arthur Donovan. Uh, and do you have a great idea for a blog post? Uh, please email me at pitches 
at stackoverflow.com. I'm Jody Bailey, the CTO at Stack Overflow. In terms of online, probably the best place is going to be on LinkedIn. So thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Nice to spend some time with y'all. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. As Jody said, we're hiring. So check out Open Positions. Maybe you can hang out with him in the near future. Bye. Bye.